Support for this podcast comes from PayPal. Small business owner, PayPal QR codes are the safe and easy payment option. It's all the security PayPal is known for online, in person. Cash only, QR codes allow you to accept credit or debit with everyday low fees. No additional hardware or software needed. Use the app to generate your unique QR code. Customers scan your code with their PayPal app to pay you. Learn more at paypal.com slash us slash get QR code. This is episode number 27 with our guest, Adriana Gavazzoni. Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing, hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Hey there, welcome into the studio. Thank you for tuning in. The on-air button doing its thing nice and bright. We are ready to go. I am your host, Josh Carey, and you know you're tuned in to The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Our guest today, Adriana Gavazzoni, is a Brazilian author. She has won the Golden Book Award in 2017, Reader's Choice for her first novel, Behind the Door, and the Book Excellence Award, also in 2017, and uh, honorable mentions at the Reader's Favorite and an honorable mention at Paris Book Festival 2017. How amazing is that? Adriana is also a, a lawyer, a former professor of law and a writer of novels and legal books, a wonderful person who I know you're going to enjoy the story, the dialogue, the lessons, and everything in between. Help me welcome to the show. It's Adriana Gavazzoni. How you doing, Adriana? Hello, Josh. I'm great. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to talk to you today. I agree with that also. So you are, I love the combination. You're a lawyer by trade, and then you have some novels under your belt. I can't wait to hear how all of that came to be. But first, you are currently in Brazil, born and raised. How is life in Brazil for you? Oh, life in I'm born in Brazil and raised in life in Brazil. Uh, it's not okay at this moment. We are in the middle of a political turmoil. We are going to have elections in some days. And Brazil for the last uh, 12 years has been in a political turmoil. We are suffering with lots of corruption. And uh, it's a very tough period for Brazilians. Economy is not stable as it used to be 12 years ago. So we are suffering a little bit with that. We hope uh, all changes with a new president, but let us see. Mm. So I mentioned you are a lawyer, and I know for, for many, many years you've been practicing law. What kind of law 
are you engaged in? Uh, I practice corporate law. Uh, I can't stand family law and things like that. They are too emotional for me. <laughs> so corporate law, it's more practical. And how is life like as a lawyer in Brazil? Do you love that? Is that your passion? My passion is to write. And as a lawyer, I write a lot. I have to write in Brazil to defend my clients because the procedure here is a little bit different from the States. Uh, on the States, it's more oral procedure. And in Brazil, it's more written procedure. So every uh, lawyer in Brazil is basically a writer. We have to write to defend our clients. So you're, you're an actively practicing lawyer, and I know you're an actively practicing writer, a novelist. The novelist part was your dream. Is that always what you were aspiring to do? Yes, uh, to be a writer uh, is my dream. Uh, it's a dream of a lifetime. I want to be a, a writer since I was a kid. I'm a voracious reader. And I believe everybody that likes a good story wants to tell a good story. But in Brazil, uh, it's complicated to be a writer. Uh, usually, if you say to your parents, I'm going to be a writer, they say, grow up, don't dream. Uh, get a traditional profession, you're going to be better and able to pay your bills. So uh, it, it's very difficult to decide early in your life to, to become a writer, but it's, it's my dream. Were you, were you supported or growing up, were those the things you heard too? Oh, forget about that, go into something like law. No, my father always supported me in everything I wanted to do, but I'm very rational. Since I was a kid, I'm very practical. And I always uh, thought I need to be independent. I need to pay my bills. Uh, to be a lawyer, I'm going to be a writer if I'm a lawyer. I love law. I love to defend people. So it's a way I can be independent and pay my bills and maybe one day finance my writer career with that. And it, that's, what's, that's what's happening in my life. Hmm. What was life like? I want to go back to the very beginning so we can make sense of all this and see exactly how you got to this amazing place today. Take us back to Adriana as a very young girl in Brazil, right? What was life like for you growing up? Oh, I have attention deficit with hyperactivity. So you can imagine, I'm, I was always on the move. The only thing that made me stay quiet for a while was reading. So my parents uh, gave me a lot of books. <laughs> it, it was a way to get peace at home. So uh, I, since I, I learned how to read, I I spent many, many time reading and writing uh, or messing around. Uh, so from the beginning, uh, I decided I loved that. I loved uh, stories, uh, my imagination, travel a lot. Uh, deficit attention produces a lot of imagination. And uh, whenever I read, uh, I use it to read and I read now. My imagination flows and it's very good for me. So as a kid, it was a way of exercising that lot of imagination. 
At 10 years old, I wrote my first book. Uh, but I was afraid people would discover. And I was ashamed. Uh, yeah, I, I thought it was going to be weird for someone to read what I wrote. So I destroyed it. I didn't keep it. Uh, but uh, from that moment on, I, I knew one day I was going to write a book. Okay. Um, wow. So at, at 10 years old, you wrote a book. What kind of a book was this? What was the, the theme? Oh, it was a, a little romance. Uh, a kid that falls, falls in love with another kid, someone I was, some guy I thought it was handsome at school and I wrote about that. But imagine it was, I'm, I was almost a teenager. Teenager, I ashamed of everything so <laughs> i didn't want people to see that did you show or tell anybody like even your parents did anybody know you had written this book no 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 i didn't uh i remember i'm a little bit old and i'm going to tell my age here i used my father's typewriter uh to write it and uh, whenever they were in, they were not home when my parents were working I went to my, my, my father's home office and used his typewriter to type all that. And then I hide, I used it to have a locket, um, a locket place in my wardrobe where I could keep my stuff from the eyes of parents and things like that. I don't know how they all of that, but they allow me. And I used to keep it there. It's, it's so amazing that something as magnificent as a 10-year-old writing a book, there's a sense of shame and embarrassment. I mean, as you're telling the story of how you, you could only write about it when they were gone and you would sneak into the office and then you locked it away. It's like I did the same with cigarettes, you know, as a young, <laughs> as a young teen. I would like uh, sneak a cigarette when my parents went away and then I would lock the pack up so they wouldn't see it. But my goodness, we all have our demons. And here you are talking about something as truly magnificent for a 10-year-old to write a book and it's not that your parents would have scorned this or discouraged this i'm certain right you're saying you did this because of you felt the shame or the embarrassment explain that to me where where would how and where did that come about that it would be attached to something so brilliant as a book yes because i i wrote about uh, a guy i thought he was handsome so they were a couple and i put an incredible scene they were kissing and i thought okay if my mom reads that i have to explain how that kiss came to this uh to the story and it, i didn't want her to see that same thing when I published my first novel and it's a radical and I didn't want my father to read. <laughs> I see, it's I see. equivalent for a 10 years old. You don't want some boy to think you are thinking about kisses and things like that. <laughs> okay, now I get it. So you were shamed or embarrassed or a little uncomfortable about the content, the story, the, the scenes in the book. 
but wow, for a 10 year old, how, how advanced this must have been. So how many pages was the, was the whole book? I don't remember. I remember um, I used to, to, to use the paper my father has there to the typewriter, and it was almost half of the package. I believe it, it must have 200 pages at least, something like that. Wow. So you, you, you wrote the book, finished the book, kept it hidden away. How much later did you destroy it? Not much later because my mom gave me that locked uh, drawer, but I didn't know she had a key. And uh, on top of that, there was my diary. So I used it to keep a diary, to, to write about my daily life and things like that. And uh, my mom uh, read my diary and I was <laughs> very worried. The next uh, thing she would read was the book. So I throw it inside a well. A well. Wow, oh well, sorry. Yeah, well. No, no, that's okay. I'm just making sure that's what you said. A well, you threw you threw the 200 plus pages of this book inside the well to destroy yes. it and get rid of it. Yes. Wow. And what what was your what did you feel at that moment? Well, I was started apart because I, it was my little dream uh going to the water. <laughs> It was hard. It was tough. But um, I kept writing and writing. Never a book. Never a complete book after that. Uh, I only decided to write a book, uh, uh, a novel, because I wrote uh, legal books. But I uh, just decided uh, to write a book three years ago. So a lot of time after that. Oh wow, we'll get we'll get to that. Out of curiosity, to this day, um, did you ever tell your parents this 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 exact story of you wrote, writing that book at ten? Yes, yes, they know. Now they know. I told them many years after, and they told me you are crazy. And my mom said, "I've never read your things. You imagine things, but I knew she did <laughs> because she told me things that were only in the diary." <laughs> so, mm. so, uh, so now that ten-year-old dropping your dreams, literally and metaphorically, down the drain into the well. Now, how is your young teen life uh, developing from there? What keeps you busy? Uh, from my teenagers to now? Mm -hmm. Well, um, just at that moment. So now you're, um, you're uh, um, a teenager going to school still, I imagine. You're in high school. What was all that like? Oh, I was doing everything from dancing to playing volleyball to reading a lot and a lot. Uh, I used to hide in libraries to read because when I was 12, my mom forbid me to read. <laughs> yes. What? <laughs> what? She discovered she discover I was reading books uh, uh, not according to my age. Uh, they were small novels, and sometimes they have sex scenes, yes. And she discovered I was boring from a, a, 
a friend that was older than me and she just forbid everything. No, you are not going to read anymore. You are not taking a, a regular life of a teenager. You need friends. You're always in your lock in your room reading. So you are not going to read anymore. So uh, my mom uh, used to work. I went, uh, I used to go to the library to hide there and to read a whole book while I was there. So I could return home, home very happy because on that day I read a book <laughs> and I could read anything. And I really uh, used to read very uh, have material for a teenager because uh, you don't have, in Brazil at least, someone in the library that says, oh, that's not for your age. So I used to read everything from Harold Robbins to the rest. Hmm. So as your mom put it, you, she saw it as, uh, regardless of the content, which, you know, you admitted that it might have been a little um, advanced for your age, but so be it. But from her point of view, she didn't want you reading anything, even age appropriate as she would see it, because as she thought, you're not, quote unquote, a normal, typical teen. You should be out playing, out doing this. As far as you see it, was there a reason that there might have been a hint of truth or accuracy into what she was saying that you were continuing to just go and escape, if that's what it was, and read all on your own? Yes, uh, because I used to spend almost of my, my free time reading. And uh, I believe in my mom, mom's mind, a teenager must play, must go out with friends and things like that. So, so she f even found me a friend <laughs> one day. She came with a girl my age and she told me, oh, now you have a new friend. I looked oh. at that girl and I thought, my God, I'm going to kill my mom and this girl. The girl was so nice, so nice. She really became my best friend. And we, um, after a year, we were friends. My parents moved us, our parents moved us for the same school. So we went to the high school together. And it was not far from our home. So we used to go walking to school and on the way to the school I always told stories for her I was always telling her stories from a book uh, I was reading uh, my own stories she was a good listener and she became a great great friend my mom was right in the end I needed friends I really needed friends from what you can tell was there a reason you were I don't know if it's resistant to that or just didn't pursue that. Was something holding you back socially? Yes, because to deal with, uh, with the world of books is easier than dealing real world. Fantasy is always great. If you don't like the fantasy you are diving into, you just close the book, it's over. A real life was more complicated uh, overall because as I have attention deficit, I always felt different from the other kids. 
my mind works differently. Uh, if I can't stand a subject, I can't concentrate. So, uh, for example, mathematics. I sound stupid talking about mathematics. I could never learn that. But if uh, people were talking about history, uh, about languages and things like that, I was always the first student. I knew everything about it. And I felt so different from regular kids. And I have many, many, many different interests. I loved um, music and books they didn't. Uh, I felt more mature than kids my age were. It was complicated. And uh, books are, uh, are your best friend when you are like that. Wow, that that explains everything. I love how all that just came together. Either in the moment or now looking back, were you a happy child or not particularly? No, I didn't feel happy because I always felt lost. I felt I was completely different from everybody. I was always waiting for mother's spaceship come and rescue me. I was uh, even looking for my birth certificate at a certain point uh, to check if I was not adoptive. <laughs> I love it. Hey, I have great parents, okay? They are wonderful. They were always supportive. Uh, but I felt so different from my brother and from my sister. I, I was in a different world. Um, I didn't think like them, and I didn't think like regular kids my age. I can so relate, but, you know, feeling different, feeling like an outcast, feeling like nobody understands me, but I can assure you, it was not books that I ran to. I was not a student. I was not a reader. So good for you for at least engaging topic or substance uh, separate. You, you, just, you just buried yourself in the books and uh, I'm sure it, it helped on your on your journey i mean look at you even in the in the law space yes yes they helped me a lot books helped me during my whole life uh, people used to say ah oh, i feel lonely when i don't have somebody near me i never felt alone uh, whenever that was more feeling of oh i'm alone got me i ran to a book and lonely was over so books were my great companionship for my whole life even today i have a very modern marriage we live in separate houses and se Wait, i'm sorry can you, can you go back to that because it just cut out for a minute you said you have a very modern marriage go ahead yes we live in separate houses in separate cities in different cities and we just meet each other in the weekends during the weekends and they never felt alone yeah <laughs> wow what, whatever okay. works right so it you works have, for yeah. me it Go works ahead. for me and apparently it works for him wow just hey hey hubby i'll see you on the weekends yeah because i had three marriages before and i believe it was my fault they they ended because uh, as i'm very active i was bored after a time but i always tried 
a regular marriage, the regular model of marriage. And it didn't work for me. This one is working because I have freedom, uh, I have my independence, and it's okay for me. We're going to get to the marriage side of you in a, in a short bit. So, so now you're, you're a teenager, your mom gave you a friend, so you have a friend that you're like, okay, this is actually working. Um, in those teenage years, because I know you were reading about boys and that sort of a thing, did you have a, a boyfriend at any point during this time? Uh, when I was 16. I have to move uh, for another town to study because the study in the, the city I used to live was not that good. And I have to move. And I've, I've met this guy. He was the son of my, one of my father's best friend. And he helped me a lot during the process of adapting. And so, so he was my first love. And uh, that, that's a weird story because after 23 years, uh, we dated for the first time. We met again and he's my current husband. Okay, so you, you met someone when you were 16. He became your boyfriend at the time. You wound up splitting up, losing touch. And if I heard you correctly, you lost touch for 23 years years have since gotten back together and this gentleman is now your fourth husband yes but we didn't last at uh, touch for 23 years just for 15 because for some years we were st still in touch but he married he got two kids he when we date the first time i used to say i don't want kids and he used to say I want kids. I love kids. I want to be a father and said, Oh no, that's not for me. And he had his kids and we met again after, after 15 years, we didn't see each other. And you thought, Hey, let's try this um, as adults. No, I didn't. I didn't want to see his face because <laughs> <laughs> Our love story there uh, last a year, and then I have to move again because there is one thing called vestibulite in Brazil. Uh, university, and I was accepted in, in a university in Curitiba, and I was living in Brazil, and I have to move to Curitiba. So uh, it was complicated. We didn't have money. It was far. Airplanes cost a fortune. Telephones were very expensive. So after that year, nobody, uh, we didn't break up, broke up the relationship, but it was over. But I was still in love when I heard he was going to be a father. So I hated him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he kept calling me for all those years. Once in a while, he used to call at me and I used to ask him, are you divorced or a widow? Because I don't talk to married guys. And when he called me, I didn't want to say his face, but he was very insistent. <laughs> And where were you um, in your line of marriages at that point? Was that before your first even? 
uh, when he uh, when he started to call me? Yes, or this was after the third and right before what's happening now? No, no. Uh, after the the second marriage, uh, he started to get in touch with me again, mm -hmm. and but uh, we never saw each other on that time. And when he was divorced, he called me. First thing I believe he did, and I said, "Okay." 23 years of marriage, you're going to go back to your wife, see you on the next, next incarnation. But then I'm here married to him. So let's, let's backtrack for a minute. Um, when you were uh, after high school, you went to college, what did you study? Was that the whole law entrance? Uh, it, it was directly law. In Brazil, it's a little bit different. Uh, you choose a career, you go to, the, to university to that career directly. So I began to study law at the age of 16 uh, to 17, almost 17. And I went to a Catholic university, a very good university of law in Brazil. And I graduated at the age of 21. And it was very good. I was a very serious student. At that point, I've discovered I loved law. I really loved law. So I became a very good student. I didn't have mathematics or physics or chemistry to deal with. Uh, I became a very good student. On the second year, I started as an internship in a law firm. Uh, and then uh, when I graduated, I started to work for Brazilian government as a lawyer. Oh, wow. The Brazilian government as a lawyer. Okay. And at this point, was there still a dream of becoming a wildly successful published writer? Oh, I never thought about success on that time. I just kept the dream one day I'm going to write my own novel. And I remember my brother once, uh, my brother hates to read. And uh, once uh, he was uh, looking to my books, uh, my shelves uh, full of books. And he asked me, did you read all that? And I said, yes, and some more that I used to borrow and things like that. And he told me, you should be a writer. And that uh, woke up my dream. <laughs> Said, yes, I have to write. He's right. I've read a lot. I need to tell my own stories. Hmm. Uh, so then you are, I mean, the, the writing didn't begin for, I mean, you were, you were in your early 20s. Um, uh, a working professional lawyer, right? And the writing didn't happen for, for many, many years later. So what happened in that gap? You just kept it alive and just continued long? No, internet came to Brazil. I was writing a site. I have a site where I used to write about everything you can imagine from poetry, uh, to the gods of Olympus, and <laughs> art, everything. So I have a page on that site about 
art, where I used to describe everything I knew about uh, romantic painting and European painting. Another page about uh, poetry, where I invited people from the whole world to write poetry from a side. And I had another page about the gods of Olympus and uh, things like that. I was always writing something, uh, but not a complete work. Magnificent to just keep it alive. So important, by the way, no matter what your dream is, right? To Like you said, I was always writing something. Good enough. Just indulge in it on some level. While all this is going on, I know that you've said you've had you're you're currently married to that uh heart uh high school sweetheart and the the three marriages prior help me help me through this a little bit you said they ended probably due to your fault um which is a a big statement why do you think that is what happened there uh, because my first husband was a military. Militaries are very straight, very, um, how can I say that in English? In the box, inside the box. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was not inside the box. I've, I was completely outside of the box. So uh, we didn't get along very well, but he was a very good person. But uh, he wanted kids and you always said I don't want and he convinced himself one day I was I was going to change my mind and we arrived to a certain point I told him hey you have to follow your dream you must be a father okay uh, find someone that likes uh, your way of life arriving at home at five o'clock I used to work like how on that time uh, 12 hours a day and I was always on the move <laughs> traveling because I used to work for Ministry of Transportation Brazil I was always traveling here and there and uh, we just divorced like mm. that Three how, years. I'm sorry. Uh, how, how old were you um, at, at that time? I got married at the age of 22 and I divorced at the age of 25. So even in your early 20s, you knew you didn't want children. Why do you think that is? I don't know. I never questioned myself why I didn't want to have a children. Children love me. I love children. But I think I have so many things that I want to do that I would not be a good mom to add a, a, children, a child in my life. Because uh, maybe uh, as distracted as I am, the kid would end up inside the fridge and the lettuce on his, uh, on his bed, something like that. <laughs> I don't know, but I never questioned that decision. Um, it's okay for me like that. I don't, I don't see babies and I think, oh my God, how oh, I would like to have one like that. I see babies and I think, a little package of problems. I think that's a very self-aware statement. And what's interesting is that from, from what we're talking about, you had a, a very normal 
upbringing. So it's not like you were involved in some, some scenario that as a child, you were aware and said, oh my goodness, I want nothing to do with being a mother. No, it was, uh, my family is very normal. My parents are married for 52 years. And yeah, and they love each other. They are always hand in hand. It's a very stable family. I have siblings, but normal. My siblings have kids, their own kids. They like kids, they enjoy kids. It's me. <laughs> yeah, this is magnificent. That the, the whole entire theme of this and of you that I just adore, it's simply follow your path. Do what makes you happy unapologetically. And my goodness, Adriana, that's what you've done. That's what you've been doing. And that's what you are doing. Uh, selfish as it sounds, uh, I always try to do what pleases myself. Because if I don't, uh, it's not going to last. Uh, like my second marriage, for example, I was married to a guy 16 years older than me, and I was always trying to be older, to do things to please him. It didn't last for that reason, because if you try to please someone and not yourself, it's not going to end well, uh, because uh, you need someone by your side, as friend, as a lover, as a husband or a wife, that uh, understands you, that thinks the way you think, or it's not going to end up well. What was your second and third marriages like? Second marriage to this older guy, oh. much older guy. Uh, again, I was doing my master's. I was uh, in the middle of my master's degree. I was traveling to United States, to France, staying there to research and things like that. Always on the move. I used to work in Argentina for government on that time. So I was always traveling back and forth. Uh, it was uh, more or less like my marriage is nowadays in the beginning. But one day I decided um, to, to stop working in Argentina, to open my own practice in Curitiba and to be at home with him in a regular marriage. That was a disaster. It ended up the marriage in one year because uh, all the problems came to the surface and uh, it was very complicated. My third marriage, uh, so it lasted five years, four years of traveling back and forth, one year of uh, being together and the end of the marriage. After that, I was, it was not really a marriage. I was living for a year with a guy, um, five years older, but completely jealous of my, my, my always on the move uh, way of life. I was a professor at that time. I have tons of students. You know how students are. I was 35 years old, very young. Uh, 
a pretty teacher, a pretty professor. His students were always calling and he was very jealous. Jealousy destroyed that relationship. That, that one was not my fault, okay? <laughs> Because really it was unfair, his jealousy, and it was a problem of a lack of uh, uh, self-esteem, I think, things like that, and it was not my problem. Uh, thanks God he doesn't speak English, he will never listen to this. <laughs> Incredible. Um, you, you, you said a lack of self-esteem on that end. Would you classify yourself as confident? And have you always been that, that way? Of course not. Uh, as a teenager, I used braces and uh, I thought I was ugly as hell. And my self-esteem started really, really started when I was 30. 30 years old and I did a nose job. Uh, I had a nose job, yeah. My second husband was a plastic surgeon. And surgeon, yeah, yeah that's correct. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, uh, I've met him because I wanted to do, uh, uh, to have a surgery on my nose. And uh, I did add, I used to have a very talented nose. I hated it. And so my self-esteem started there. But of course, years and years of going to shrinks because I needed to understand myself. I, I was not diagnosed as attention deficit. I didn't know why I was so different on that time. So I have to build my self-esteem. Uh, nowadays, I feel very confident. I know what I can, what I can, things I'm good at, things, things I'm not, and I know that I can be perfect uh, in all things in the world. Some things I'm going to be good, and others I'm going to be great, and others I can do. It's just like that. Hmm. I love all of that. So now, um in what was it 2014 2015 when you started officially writing your what became your first published book take us into that transition uh 2015 i was driving to a hearing with one of my lawyers we were talking about writing and he told me i'm writing a novel on that moment I looked to him and I said, me too. <laughs> and I was not. <laughs> I love it. I love but it. Right. On that moment, I thought, okay, he's my junior lawyer. He was one of my students and he has the courage to say, I'm writing a novel and you don't. Christ's sake, go and write that novel right now. So I started a little bit every day when I arrived to the office, first hour, all quiet. I'm a, an early person. Mm -hmm. uh, so eight o'clock, I was already in the office. And for an hour, every day, I start to write. And uh, I've got a publish in 2016. And I decided to write in English. Not hey, people, uh, my written English is better than my spoken, okay? Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I decided to write in English uh, as it contained erotica. I didn't want to mix my novel with my legal career in Brazil. So I decided I would write that book in English published in the United States. If it was good, eventually I would bring to Brazil. So I did that. I found a publisher, a great editor. She helped to polish my English and I've published the book. And on the second semester of 2016. And my editor told me the publisher was stealing from every writer they have, including me. They did nothing for my books. They didn't do any publicity. And so after a while, when I, they sent me a letter telling I should give them all my rights, uh, all, all, all the money, I've won in return of my rights. So I decided to hire a, a, a lawyer in the United States and he fought to have my rights back. He got that in December 2016 without going to court. He's a great lawyer, cost me tons of money. <laughs> but finally I got my rights back. And with the help of that editor, she left uh, the, the, the publisher because they went bankruptcy after that. Uh, I hired her and she helped me to self-publish my first novel all again on Amazon. And what is the title of that book? Behind the Door. Behind the Door. And this is the one at the intro that uh, won these awards, right? Yeah, and you forgot the award uh, it won this year, Independent Publisher Award. It won a um, bronze medal. So last May, I've been to New York to collect my bronze medal. I was very proud of myself. Little girl from uh, a small town in Brazil, I felt a giant. And uh, so it was the first one. I wrote a sequel called Lara's Journal, published also in 2017 with the help of the same editor. And this year I published the end of the series called The Brilliant Game. The series is called Hidden Motives. And what do you call these? Um, psychological erotica? What, what category are they in? Uh, they are psychological and erotical thrillers. Hmm. I mean, you must be, I'm guessing, because I, I feel so proud how all this just came full circle. Is that the emotion? Are you just like, especially with and when Behind the Door came about, you, you wrote it, you uh, got your rights back from an evil publisher that tried stealing them, and then you've now got this sort of personal justice of winning all these awards from when you were going back to the 10-year-old girl you were that had to throw her dreams down the well. Do you just sit back and just revel in how all this came full circle? 
Oh, I'm very, I'm very happy about all that. I never uh, expected to win awards in the United States, Canada, and so on. I just want to publish my novels, just that. And, and suddenly I decide to enroll in this contest and all those honorable mentions, gold medals and uh, bronze medals came. It's great, but as I said before, I'm always looking for a next step. Uh, I can't stop, I'm unstoppable. So whenever I publish a book, I don't stop enough to think, oh, that's okay, another book, great. I'm happy for a while and then I think, let's go to the next one. Uh, what's next, next step? What are we are going to write now? And uh, things like that. Uh, so I'm writing, uh, the fourth book it's not in the same it's not the same subject it's another book a completely different subject uh, but I'm already writing a fourth book a fourth novel amazing what what mantra do you live by today um, I wake up and I think you have uh, two possibilities during this day you can be happy or you can be sad. So I choose early in the morning, I'm going to be happy for the day. At least for one hour of the day, I'm going to do something that makes me really happy. And uh, it means I'm going to work out, I'm going to dance, or I'm going to read or watch some series. I'm going to do something that makes me happy to play with my dogs. And uh, in the end of the day, it's all about that. Uh, future doesn't exist. It's a cliche, but it really doesn't. I lost my loved dog 15 days ago. I'm still mourning because she was like a baby for me. She was 13 years old. Mm. And in the end of everything, it's all about how you enjoy the time of your life, uh, of the life of those you care, you love. And nobody knows when the end uh, is coming. So if you don't enjoy, you don't seize the day, you don't, don't enjoy life. Uh, so I live very intensely. I'm going to be 50 in December and sometimes I feel like I'm 150 because uh, my life was always so intense all the time, all the time. Uh, I'm always trying to produce new things, to learn new things. So that's my motto, live life and never give up. Never give up on anything. Be stubborn. Life doesn't want to give to you because life doesn't give anything for free. For free just rain and sometimes in not uh, regions that are needing rain. So uh, get from life. Uh, pursue your goals, fight for what you want. Oh, I committed many mistakes in my 50 years. Many, but I don't regret. I tried. At least I tried. I adore so much of that, including how you pointed out that when you wake up, you are consciously and deliberately making a choice. One of two things. I can live today and be happy or I can live today and be sad. And I, 
fully agree that we are in control of which one of those we choose for so long, I would just think, well, which one am I now based on external circumstances? Oh, okay, I'm happy because of that thing over there. Or, oh, now I'm sad or upset because of that thing over there. No, it's completely a choice. And I'm so glad that you uh, pointed that out. Uh, life is all about choice, uh, choices, Josh. Uh, everything you do, uh, you can uh, tell others are responsible for this or that because you choose in, in a certain point and that's what what's going uh, to make your life what you choose to do of it in order uh, so I, I don't try to be a victim uh, before the, the this interview we we're talking about difficult points at life I, I don't keep them for me because I face them when they happen and I say, okay, I have a lesson to learn from this. Uh, maybe it's tough now, but in a while I'm going to learn and I'm going to move on and that's life. So I don't hate anybody. I don't have hard feelings. I just, uh, if someone hurts me, I just let it in the past and I move on. I don't stay near someone who is hurting me, who is making me sad. Uh, it's our choice to be happy. You have to be a little bit selfish. I know there are people in this world who uh, just live for others, like Mother Teresa. And so I'm not Mother Teresa. Uh, so uh, I can't live life for others. I can help people. I love to do that. But for my own happiness, I'm the only responsible. Mm. I will leave you with this final question. Adriana, how would you like to be remembered? Oh, I would like to be remembered as someone that, who did differently in, in his life, who was not like Kato. Someone who, I would like to be remembered for that song, I did it my way. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly like that because it's how I've been living and it's the best way to live in my opinion. Mm. Well, this has been an extraordinary dialogue. Uh, I, I was not let down in any regard. And just even knowing that you practice law and wrote uh, a novel and have written others, I just, just to fill in those moments and come up with that theme that you've clearly proven, you are a model and an inspiration for follow your own path. If it makes you happy, it's correct. Do what you can to make yourself happy unapologetically. And you're just a model for that. I want to thank you, Adriana, for opening up and sharing all of that with us today. No, I want to thank you, Josh, because you are a great interviewer. You make me open to the world. <laughs> you just distract from people. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And I love everybody who is tuning in today. We're going to link to everything uh, that we've referenced 
in the show notes, in and around this show. I'm a fan. Uh, I'm a follower. I can't wait to see where you go with all this because I know it is still early in your career and just the beginning. So thank you again, Adriana, for joining us. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I hope you got some nuggets out of this. I hope you have some moments where you can take action and make things happen in your world, in your life, as you see fit. This is our one chance. It'll be over before we know it. Make it count. Make it good. Make it extraordinary. We're going to do this again real soon. And until we do, go get them. Thanks for listening to The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Make sure to subscribe through iTunes or Google Play so you can get notified every time we publish a new episode. And we'd love to hear your thoughts with an honest review on iTunes. Finally, follow us on your favorite social media platforms to keep the conversation going with Josh Carey and today's guest. Until next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.